Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, where we won't be too doom and gloom about the last series. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and one Soto being 19 officially means I'm a veteran now. <sighs> Later on, we look ahead to the Padres series with Friars on base site expert Tim Ryder, but first we're going to look back at the Nationals sweep by the Dodgers. Um, it was a pretty depressing series, having um, having the lead and then having it ripped away, especially in that second game of the doubleheader on Saturday was particularly gruesome. But on that note, I think Max Scherzer has to be our player of the series once again. He did Max Scherzer things, 13 strikeouts, had the RBI single as well to put them 4-2 up and seemingly out of reach, obviously. Sean Doolittle blew the save after his first blown save of the season, so I'm not going to hold that against Doolittle. He's perfectly fine. It's going to happen when you're a reliever, but back to Max. And he really is making an MVP case for himself this year. Albeit the hitting side of things doesn't necessarily add to his MVP case. He could be the MVP regardless. And I think Ross tweeted out some of the stats between Scherzer this year and Kershaw in the year he won the MVP. And they're very similar. So he really does have an MVP case. And I look forward to seeing that progress. Can he keep up this ridiculous pace that he's on, even if he is... Max Scherzer, there's got to be a couple bumps in the road, you feel like, but we'll see. He definitely has the caliber to win the MVP. Uh, on the first game on Saturday, uh, we saw Howie Kendrick get his ruptured Achilles late on, and that rules him out for the rest of the season, which is a devastating blow for the team. And one of our contributors, Tom, wrote about how big of a loss it is, especially with the absence of Eaton and Murphy. Uh, having Howie fill in in, in in second and in left field. And now we're going to be turning over to Wilmer Defoe, who then again, he hasn't exactly been bad. He's been one of the better hitters on the Nationals of late. So having him fill in at second, you might see some Matt Adams in left. Um, and obviously we're going to talk a lot about Juan Soto, who got the call up late Saturday night. I <laughs> just got in after watching the Nationals and Capitals game, saw the Juan Soto news. Went to go add him in my keeper league, and he was already gone. Uh, but Soto has been ridiculous in the minor leagues. He had a 362 average, 14 home runs, 52 RBIs, and a 1.218 OPS, which is higher than any qualified major leaguer so far this season. Mookie Betts was the nearest at 1.205. So he, <laughs> he really is going to hopefully provide a spark. Obviously, it's a big step up. He played eight games at double-A, eight, that's it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he adjusts quickly. We saw the strikeout in Sunday's game. Uh, is it is that going to continue? It's one at bat, so I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but it may be the case that Major League stuff overmatches him right now, and he could have done with time in Harrisburg and Syracuse to develop, but obviously the Nationals outfield situation is dire right now, and they need... Adam Eaton to come back and stabilise that outfield. But we'll see with Juan Soto. I I think we'll see him two times this season. We'll probably see him in the first game. I think they held him out today because Alex Wood is a really tricky left-hander with his arms and elbows and everything flying in all different directions. It's tricky to pick up. So hopefully we see Soto. We'll at least see him against Tyson Ross on Wednesday. So I look forward to seeing what he has to offer. Uh, Ryan Madsen hit the DL after the game today. Uh, it's been a lingering issue, obviously. It probably came from some of the overuse earlier in the season. So 
it kind of makes sense. And it looks like Tim Collins is going to come up. Tim Collins has a 3.63 ERA and struck out 20 in 17 and a third innings with Syracuse. And he'll actually be quite a valuable left-hander for the Nationals. They've only got Doolittle and Solis up at the moment with Matt Grace still on the DL. So with Solis actually becoming quite a dependable arm, aside from the Saturday run he gave up, um, we could see Collins slide in as the platoon guy and coming in to face lefties to preserve Solis for a higher leverage situation in, say, the seventh inning, which he's excelled in. And with Madsen hitting the DL, you need someone to step up into that seventh inning when Kinsler goes to the eighth inning. So we'll see how that all plays out. And hopefully Tim Collins may be able to make a bid. We've seen the middle relief troubles that the Nationals have had. Wanda Suero gave up a couple of runs today, which wasn't ideal. Carlos Torres has been a run-giving-up machine, and so has Sean Kelly. And you need someone to eat those innings. So... He really does have a chance to stick if he performs well. And the starts in Syracuse, he's striking out uh, more than a batter in inning, which is a great sign, and we'll see what he can produce. And finally, we have Trey Turner, who continues his mini power surge. He's hit he's hit uh, three home runs in his last seven games and four in his last 11. And having him at the top of the lineup, the average hasn't been coming along, but he's still walking uh not quite one-to-one ratio with the strikeouts, but getting on base. And we've talked about this before. If he gets on first, he can be on second with ease. I think the steals have dried up lately. Um, So we'll see what Turner can do. And the power element is something that goes underrated in his game. He has enough to hit, say, 20 home runs a year, which people don't peg him for. They just peg him for the 50 or 60 stolen bases. But the power is something that you need to be wary of. And again, he'll be facing the team that traded him away and... Uh, hopefully we'll talk to Tim about this shortly with uh, Trey Turner coming back to play the Padres, but we'll see how that plays out. And hopefully we can look forward to them righting the ship against a struggling team. And it's one that they, the Padres hung with the Nationals um, the last time they played. So uh, it may not be as easy as some people think, but it'll be a nice chance for the Nationals to put this sweep behind them. So joining me now to look ahead to the National Series at the Padres is Friars on Base Cy expert Tim Ryder. How are you doing today, Tim? Not bad, Blake. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're happier than me after um, the results this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, uh, tough weekend for the Nationals. Um, Yeah, Padres took three out of four from the, well, they were in first place, the uh, the Pirates. And uh, yeah, we'll take that. Hopefully we're going to build off of that. Yeah, the Pirates aren't exactly a bad team. So... So far this season, the Padres are bottom of the NL West. Um, they're 20 and 28, but I think their main struggle so far has been the hitting. They're 28th of the thir- of 30 MLB teams in batting average. Is that the case so far? Yes. Um, I guess now that Andy Green has been making a little, um, I guess a few a few changes here and there. Uh, now you've seen a lot more Travis Jankowski in the lineup, and he seemed to be a spark plug. And... Uh, Really, guys are just are, are hitting right behind him now, and it, he really seems to have gotten everybody going. Yeah. Um, so as uh, as Tim touched on, uh, they played the Pirates. They secured a 3-1 series win today. Uh, they lost the first one, 5-4 in a close one. The Pirates bullpen shut them down, but the Padres got the payback, which we'll touch on in a second. Uh, they won 3-2 on Friday as Eric Hosmer led the way. Uh, Clayton Richard dominated the Pirates on Saturday in a 6-2 win. And then they got their revenge on the Pirates' bullpen today with a 
four-run rally in the ninth inning. Um, so talk us through how they managed to get to former national Felipe Vasquez. <laughs> well, I guess today was exciting. Um, you know, there are times, I guess, on both ends where the defense kind of let both sides down. But uh, again, I guess Freddie Galvis, um, you know, he, he rushed out that uh, that ground ball in the ninth, really got everybody going, brought the uh, tying, uh, I'm sorry, the leading run ac- across. And, uh, and everyone just turned on the bats from there. Um, yeah, it was really, it was a productive weekend. You could really start to see the team come together. And I really, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run. Uh, the Dodgers uh, haven't got out to a great start. The Diamondbacks lost, uh, they got swept this weekend. So I think they have a real good shot at, um, at, you know, at least making a run. I'm not going to say they're going to compete for a division title, but uh, that might not be feasible. But uh, for them to, you know, stick around and stay competitive, it could do a lot for the, uh, for the confidence of a young team, which it, it, it could mean a lot. Yeah, it feels like the NL West this year has, it's not quite got the top end. Um, so teams separating themselves, they're all kind of jumbled together in the middle, obviously, the Diamondbacks started off doing really well and now they've fallen back the Nats swept them in four they got swept this weekend and have come right back to the pack and the Dodgers have picked up unfortunately for the Nationals this weekend so yeah they they could make a run it feels like they might need a little bit of extra help where where do you see the weakness at the moment um you know I'd like to say that the (laughs) a few weeks ago it was the starting pitching and of course the offense but um guys have really started to turn it around Clayton Richard has had three straight quality quality starts uh two eight inning outings in a row and then yesterday was a seven inning outing and really he he's been tinkering with his mechanics and his delivery and it really started it seems to be paying off um jordan lyles since they made him a starter he's really picked things up and he seems to you know it, it breeds healthy competition when you have new guys doing well and that seems to be the key for a young team especially like this team where no one's really jumped out to the lead uh lucchese's on the dl uh, he should be back, I believe, for his next start. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but um, you know, it, it really, uh, if one good one one pitcher does well, and they get the next guy does well, and you know, it, the same thing's been happening for the offense. You know, mixing and matching spots. Some guys are getting hot at the right time. Uh, look at Carlos uh, Asuaje. Uh, Jose Perella is pretty much, uh, you know, taking him off of the the second base position. And, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of power. There's not a lot of uh, extra base hits in him this year. But it, he, he's, he's the straw that stirs the drink in some cases. And it's been really, it's been really cool to see. Yeah, it definitely feels like a, a young team. So yeah. looking, ahead to, looking ahead to players to watch, I think one player that I've picked out is their recently promoted outfielder, Fran Mil Reyes, who had a 346 average and a 1.18 OPS with 14 home runs in AAA this year. Those are just ridiculous numbers. So it hasn't quite translated yet, but is he someone that's going to solidify the middle of that Padres order? Um, At least until Myers or Will Myers comes back. And, um, you know, he's going to – this is the year for them to see which young guys have a future with the franchise. Um, Reyes, obviously, he was a highly touted international signing. Uh, This is going on six years ago. Um, uh, amazing power. I mean, if you could pull up his numbers in May, I don't have them in front of me, but at AAA in May, I think he was hitting five something with mm. uh, nine home runs or so, something crazy like that. He went on an eight game home run streak. Uh, just really uh, f- fantastic. Um, 
There's work to be done maybe on his defense, but he seems to have a ton of range out there. I mean, for a big man, he's like six foot five. Uh, he really moves well. He's extremely athletic. Um, you would expect a big looping swing out of him, but he really, he shortened that up. Um, his strikeouts numbers this year in AAA have dropped considerably uh, for his, I guess, his, his previous years in the minor leagues. And I guess speaking to him earlier in the off season, or I'm sorry, earlier in the, um, in the triple a season uh he mentioned that you know he he puts real thought into or a real it makes it a point to you know remember all the little things and to shorten up that swing and it looks like he's really making progress whether we start to see a uh, a lot of progress this year that's that's you know yet to be seen but yeah once he gets used to major league pitching i could see him making a difference sure he might not get everyday playing time but when he's in even as a pinch hitter sure he's got so much potential i wouldn't be surprised at all yeah, I think uh, the outfield playing time is a bit, um, a bit interesting. You've got four or five good outfielders and maybe not um, a star like Will Myers who's still injured. Um, but one of the guys who you touched on before was Travis Jankowski, who's scorching hot. He's hitting 426 with a OPS over 1,006 stolen bases in the last 15 days. And obviously he was the one who broke up Jeremy Hellickson's perfect game. So is he yes. really coming along this season? He has. He's he's making he's made already, I should say, huge strides as far as um, I guess breaking down his swing and then building it back up. He's always been good with his walks. He's been very patient at the plate. He's cut back on strikeouts a bunch. He's putting a lot more balls in play. And of course, his outfield play is just fantastic. Uh, yeah, he, it's been a real surprise. Um, not a surprise, I should say, but uh, a pleasant surprise. That, that's that's probably a better way to put it. Because again, like you said, it's a crowded outfield. Um, Franchi Cordero in the mix. Uh, Manuel Margot. It just, it didn't, you weren't sure if he was going to stick around. Like look at Hunter Renfro. He might be the odd man out here. He's possibly got more potential, a higher ceiling than all of these guys. Maybe not Franchi or, or Margot, but at least for that third outfield spot or fourth outfield spot, I should say. You know, Jankowski seems to really, really be be getting his feet dug in pretty well into this spot. And Andy Green likes him in the leadoff spot. It's yeah, it's been a pleasure to see. And like I said before, he seems to be a real spark plug. He's getting guys going. Uh, Freddie Galvis, you know, just for example, you know, mixing him around in the in the batting order seems to have it seems to have had a uh, a very very positive re reaction for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and funny, we haven't touched on him yet, but. Um, obviously, Eric Cosmer is probably the name that's going to jump off the lineup card for a lot of Nationals fans. Obviously, he's probably the most highly regarded player on the team. And sure. he's starting to turn it around this year. So he is. Um, I, I guess the question is, is he going to uh, produce the power numbers? Because obviously, everyone knows about Petco being a, an absolute cavern. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you know, if we, if we could see 25 home runs out of him in a year... That's great because you know what? If he's going to hit 40, 50 doubles a year and if he's going to be the leader that he's been in the clubhouse, yeah, you know what? If, if he doesn't hit 30 home runs a year, we could live without that. Um, if he does, fantastic. But, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have been uh, – yeah, you know what? I'll say it. They've been complaining about the type of money that the Padres have spent on Hosmer and the type of time and money they invested in in the long term. And, uh, you know, I think he's doing all he can do right now. Um, maybe he, he slipped up for maybe, I think it was like a, a five game stretch. He probably went like Oh, for 
I don't know, 0 for 18 or 1 for 21 or something. But the guy's been on fire ever since. I mean, um, in a young clubhouse, he means so much to that team. And, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's well worth every penny they spent. Yeah, I think it feels like um, maybe a somewhat similar situation if the Nationals would have paid Bryce Harper. You're not paying all that money just for the production on the field. You're paying for the, the leadership off the field. And, obviously, he's been through, been through it all with the Royals. So he's yeah. got all that experience that the clubhouse needs for the Padres. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so great to see. I mean, even from the day he walked into spring training, I mean, sure, he didn't know anybody's names, but boy, he was buddying up to guys and just, it, it, you know, it's really cool to see such a young team, such a talented young team with more guys coming up through the system. It seems like every week they're calling up someone new. I mean, Eric Lauer, he, he's finding his, his sea legs, you, you might want to put it, but <laughs> he's really starting to, um, he's shown promise. He shows a lot of poise. Uh, and really, it just the Hosmer effect trickles down. I, I like to see it. Um, it brings a certain air of confidence to the team. Mm. Like, uh, I think the final point to touch on from the Padres side is uh, the bullpen pieces. And I think Nationals fans have been uh, advocating for a potential trade for Brad Hand or Craig Stammen down the line um, if the Padres do indeed fall out of it. So is that something you can see? And what kind of cost could you expect? Obviously, I think Brad Hand was the talk of uh, talk at the deadline last year, and they ended up holding on to him. He's got quite a few years of control, so could yeah. that be a high cost? Well, um, if he keeps producing like the way he does, uh, I would say yeah. And you know, with the Padres, sure, is it out of the realm of possibility that they're going to contend for a wild card this year? No. Is it likely? Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> I messed that up. Is it likely that they're going to contend for a wild card spot? No. Uh, but the closer they are, uh, the, obviously, the more valuable him him and Stammen and guys like uh, uh, Kirby Yates uh, have been to the team. I mean, they have so many young arms that hypothetically they could slide right into those roles if they did choose to move hand or Stammen. But, you know, for the way that they've been performing, it, the price might be steep. And, uh, you know, a guy like hand, a lefty who has this slider that's just been unhittable over the past couple of nights. He's just, it's been coming out of his hands so well. Um, yeah, you hear, you hear his name floated around a lot. Uh, there's a bunch of guys on the Padres who, you know, if this team is 10 games out come trade deadline, you know, this could be a completely different team in August, but hey, it's a rebuild. Um, yeah, the, bull, the bullpen has been a strength, but yeah, by the end of the season, I, I have a feeling that it could look a little different, sure. Um, yeah, I think I think Craig Stammen is probably a more realistic target than the Nationals, and he kind of fills the need for the the middle of the bullpen that's struggling to get outs without giving up runs. So, sure. are there any uh, are there any Nationals that you're particularly keen to see outside of kind of the big names like Bryce Harper? Um, personally, just because I'm also a Mets fan, and pretty much every time we face him, he kills us. Gio Gonzalez. Uh, is such an intriguing guy to me, at least on the pitching side. I, I should have said I was going to start on the pitching side. Um, he's he's so crafty. Same thing with Hellickson. I was actually an advocate for the Padres making a run at Hellickson before he signed with Washington. But um, really, the back end of, of Washington's rotation, which I haven't even seen the probables yet for the week. I'm not sure who we're facing. I'm pretty sure it's Strasburg through um, through Gonzalez, right? Uh, you get Hellickson, Geo, and then TBD. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, I, I I'm definitely enamored with what Matt Adams has been doing this season. Mm. Uh, I guess uh, losing Weeders 
it could turn out to be a, a, a detriment to you folks, but I like Severino. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by him, seeing what, what he brings to the table. Uh, Trey Turner is always exciting to watch. I really, really like him. Um, and, of course, Harper. I mean, it, the guy's uh, uh, an animal. He's, what, 26, 25? 26. 26. <laughs> uh, just, you know, it seems like he's been in the league for 10 years, and he's been here for over five at least, but just oh it's it's just incredible i was actually at the game where he hit the um he broke his bat and hit the home run earlier in the season <laughs> i was at that game and i almost just got up and left because it's just not fair yeah it's really it's he's an incredible really fun player to watch um i like will Medifo. is he still up with the yeah i think uh howie kendrick i was talking about it earlier and uh Howie Kendrick got the uh, ruptured Achilles on Saturday. So we're going to see a lot of Wilma Defoe for the next couple of weeks until Daniel Murphy comes back. Yes. Now, is there a timetable on Murphy? I know, I know that he, he had the microfracture surgery, right? Yeah, I think he's swinging a bat at spring training. Um, might be playing in some games shortly. So probably Great. two, three weeks. Excellent to see him. I'm a I'm big, big Daniel Murphy fan. The guy's a professional hitter. Um, watching him for years in New York, he's just, oh, he's so, such a – a well-rounded hitter he's a decent fielder i mean he's not a, he's not a really a liability um yeah one of my favorite players in the league actually is, is daniel murphy mm. um i, I was gonna i was gonna oh, say um the padres fans still kind of reminisce about what could have been with trey turner oh of course oh how could they not i mean i guess even earlier in the um when we faced you guys a couple of weeks ago uh i, I want to say that was his first week back uh, I believe so. Yeah, I think he was injured the other time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know he hit us up for a double and a stolen base. I believe. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> he might have got a home run as well. Just oh, I believe you're right. <laughs> yes. Um, and also, uh, are you buying into the one Soto hype that a lot of Nationals fans are? I'm sorry. Are you buying into the one Soto hype? Uh, the Nats top prospect who came up today for the game oh oh yeah no sure um i'm sorry i didn't catch the name but yeah no i he, he's been uh i know he's been tearing it up i know he has a lot of hype behind him um sure i'm excited to see what he's about what he's all about actually he completely slipped my mind yeah you won't be the first or last to misunderstand my accent oh no i'm sorry man. <laughs> <laughs> um so now we're going to look ahead to each of the matchups individually. So first off, we've got Robbie Erling against Jeremy Hellickson on Monday at 7.05 Eastern. Jeremy Hellickson, 1-0 with a 2.20 ERA, and Robbie Erling with a 1-2 uh, record, 3.46 ERA. So it's going to be Robbie Erling's first start of the season due to uh, several rotation injuries, so he's coming back from bullpen. Uh, is he going to go, say, four or five innings and turn it over to the bullpen? Uh, yeah, that's probably a viable option. Um, they have so many arms out there. He has been getting stretched out. Uh, they have been getting him ready for a start. I would probably peg five innings as as you know what they're hoping for. If they can get four out of him, great. If they can get six out of him, even better. But um, I know they're just stretching him out. So, hey, if he can get us up to the fourth, uh, I'm sure he's not worried about, um, about you know, being the, the pitcher of record. I, it's really a it's really a valueless stat these days anyway but um you know if he could pass along to the bullpen who's been fantastic it's been a strength of this team i'm sure andy green would be happy with that yeah i think it's going to be a bit of a mirror because obviously there's uh jeremy hellickson who obviously it's well documented him not going through the lineup a third time so 
there could be a lot of bullpen pitching in this one. Obviously, <laughs> I men- mentioned it before. He had the perfect game bid that Travis Jankowski broke up in the seventh inning. Um, and it does seem sustainable for Hellickson. He's got a 2.81 fit, so he might even be able to continue. And I think it is down to this restricting him seeing the third time through the lineup. But I would personally like to see him go a bit longer. Obviously, it might take a five, six run lead for David Martinez to experiment with that. Uh, yeah. Do you have a particular prediction for this game? Um, You know, <laughs> you guys are just dying desperate for a win right now. Anytime you're facing a team desperate for a win, it's a tough game because of course you guys have so much talent right now. And, um, you know, this is not what I'm sure the team or the fans for the nationals had in mind for the first month and a half of the season. But yeah, I would expect to see a very, very hard fought game. Um, prediction wise, uh, let's go Ooh, let's go a close one. Um, let's, you know what? The Padres have been on a tear. Padres win the first one, six, five. <laughs> uh, I think I've got 4-2 to the Nationals. I think Ellickson can keep up his run and hopefully the bullpen can lock that down and we'll see what we get with Robbie. Like you said, the bullpen has been a strength for the Padres so far. So yeah. if they can get five innings of, say, two-run ball, then they'll be pretty happy with that. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, second up, we've got Eric Lara against Gio Gonzalez at, on Tuesday at 7.05 Eastern. Gio Gonzalez 4-2 and two with a 3-2-6 ERA. Eric Lauer, one and two with an eight one four ERA, and he's the Padres' first round pick from twenty fifteen, uh, and he had pretty good minor league numbers so far this year, three oh four ERA and a K per nine at nearly ten. So, how has he struggled so far at the majors? Well, he's he's fallen victim to one bad inning, um, uh, a couple of bad innings, but per start, I mean, he'll be rolling, he'll be really cruising. And you could almost see his confidence building with each clean inning he works through. And then, you know, he'll make one mistake. He'll walk the guy. He'll walk two in a row. And you could see it. It gets him a little flustered. Um, once he's able to work past that, get, be a little bit more confident in, in, in himself and his own skills and not get so rattled, I think this guy has def- has number two, number three, the future starter written all over him, whether it's here in San Diego or elsewhere. Um Throws four pitches for strikes. Uh, you know, sometimes he just he, he loses his control, which happens to everybody. But getting the experience that he needs, I think it's going to bring him right back on track. And, uh, you know, he's a control guy. He's not going to overpower you. Once he loses his control, um, you know, he needs to take that deep breath. He needs to learn how to do that. I, I, that's, that's just my point of view outside looking in, of course. Yeah, I'm definitely very intrigued to see him. Obviously, I think the ERA is, like you say, a bit bloated if he yeah. just has some uh, some bad innings. But he ha- he did have one dominant outing against the Dodgers. And obviously, if he can get on a roll against a struggling offense with the Nats, then it might be a chance for the Padres to win. Uh, yeah. And then going on to Gio Gonzalez, the theme this year has been uh, letting a lot of base runners on. So he had a 1.41 whip and... We kind of saw that start to come to pay against the Yankees. They hit a big, big home run off him. Uh, and as the summer heats up, I think that could be a theme going forward. Is that something that could happen in this game? Obviously, the Padres do have some power bats in there. Sure. Oh, I mean, with Cordero, uh, Villanueva, um, even Hosmer. I mean, everybody's got a little bit of power to them. This isn't a team that's predicated on hitting home runs. Like they, they don't go as the home run takes them. This is a gap. This is a gap team. This is a singles team. 
Um, they're not scared to scrape out a couple of runs. They had two suicide squeezes today. I mean, hmm. uh, yeah, no, it, it, you know, if they can take advantage of mistakes, which with this pitching staff, I mean, with Washington's pitching staff, it's really hard to do. Um, but, you know, if, if Gonzalez is going to put guys on base, they have to take advantage of those gifts because you're not going to get a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's it's a case of the long ball will do him in. He's got, I think he's got a career low, career low home run per nine so far this year. And what Nats Park has a habit of really playing small when the summer comes long. So it may depend on the weather. And if it is warm again, then I could see the Padres getting to him. And in terms of a score prediction for this one, I've actually gone seven four to the uh, to the Nationals. I think. Yeah. All right. Well, Nationals have to win one sooner or later. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go seven four Nationals too. That sounds good. I, yeah, think, I think I think Lauer stays in it though. I think Lauer sticks around and then maybe has that one bad inning at the end. Yeah, it, I could see that if it stays close early on and then potentially around the fifth, sixth inning they get to him. Sure. Uh, and then finally on Wednesday at four oh five Eastern, we've got Tyson Ross against the dreaded TBD for the Nationals. Uh, Tyson Ross is three and three with a three three five ERA, so he's kind of throwing it back to the days when he really was a dominant pitcher for the Padres. What has um, got him back to that level? Uh, he's, uh, his accuracy, his pinpoint control is back. Um, he, he's, I, I know just, just from following the team and hearing this, reading his quotes, you could see that he's really trying to keep his arm angle in the same slot every time. That was a huge issue for him. Um, coming back from the, uh, thoracic outlet, outlet syndrome, uh, excuse me, thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. Uh, and it, it, I guess once he's keeping on that right level, everything else is going to work out too. Um, again, he's not a guy who's going to dominate you. He hits what I think 92, 93 with his fastball, but his off-speed stuff is just so well positioned and so well placed that he, he's been really using it to his advantage. Um, he's got a, a very, very talented infield behind him, um, fielding wise. That you know, he knows that if he can induce ground outs, there's a good chance he's working efficiently and economically through through a lineup. Whether he does that with the Nationals, yet to be seen. But um, you know, before Matt Adams got to them in the last series, the Padres were actually holding their own against the Nationals, and that's got to be doing wonders for him. But yeah, Ross has been a um, he's been an anchor for this staff, and uh, between him and Richard, uh, the lessons that the rest of the Padres staff is learning, the young guys. I, they're invaluable right now, but again, towards the end of the season, we could see these guys uh, in different uniforms. I wouldn't be surprised. You're a Mets fan. You should be an expert in thoracic outlet syndrome. Oh, uh, <laughs> another big You got me again. <laughs> um, yeah. And for the Nationals, I suspect it will be Eric Fetty coming up. Um, he last pitched on Friday for Syracuse, so it kind of lines up with that, and he's already on the 40-man roster. So um, I wrote a piece about him recently talking about how uh, despite the interesting numbers, I think he's one and one with a four, three, five ERA so far. It doesn't look great, but then a fit around three. And then uh, he's got a batting average on balls in play of about three sixty, which is just ridiculous. So <laughs> he's someone that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of for the nationals. Um, how, have you heard much about Fetty from the outside? How is he perceived? Cause he dropped off some top 100 prospect lists this off season. Yeah, no, just reading pieces on him. And again, I get, I get probably get more of a look from the Mets side of things than the Padres. But, you know, we've been hearing good things about him. Um, I did notice that he came off, but he did pop up on MLB.com's preseason list. 
I want to say, at least top top five for the Nationals, I believe. Yeah, I think he's still fourth for the Nationals. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see him. To, if they do indeed call him up, I, I'd be – um, yeah, I haven't heard all that much of him. Now I'm going to go ahead and do my homework and see what he throws. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I um, – yeah, definitely intrigued to see how that works out. Now, you guys lost Ryan Matson today too, right? I don't mean to jump off of the – That's right. Um, yeah, he went on the DL. Uh, I think they're calling up Tim Collins, the former Met. Yeah. Might actually be able to give us a bit of a scouting report on him. Oh, he wasn't up to he wasn't up long enough to get a full scouting report on him. I wouldn't want to do him any injustices. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, a key piece who his usage has kind of dipped a bit of late. Um and I think Brandon Kinsler had actually overtaken him in the bullpen pecking order. Yeah. Oh, he was a nice free sign for you guys. I know you got him at the deadline last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Terrific pitcher. And then he was a free agent, and you guys went out, and he came right back. At least he want, it looks like he wants to buy into it. That's a, a nice sign. Yeah, especially coming in, coming back for the seventh inning role. That was what he was promised, obviously, with a chance to go forward if injuries or performance dictated it. But, yeah, having that and having Matt Adams come as a bench player as well when he probably could have got a starter's job somewhere is kind of just showing um, the buzz around the, the club. Maybe yeah. not so right right now. Um, with the, oh, there for the Dodgers, but um, kind of people are wanting to come here with reduced roles to go on and earn a uh, a larger role with another club. Sure, I mean he he's transformed his body. Uh, Adams, I'm speaking about. He, he he looks terrific. I mean he he's hitting the cover off of the ball. Uh, yeah, very 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 cool to see. I'm happy for him. And with with Zimmerman, um, you know he's getting older. Injuries take their toll. Having Adams in there where he, he could play first or he could play the outfield and, you know, he even serve as a, a, as a bat off the bench when he's not starting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another dynamic that we just have to worry about. <laughs> Boy, as a Mets fan, it's like you, I know this team as well as I possibly <laughs> could. But, oh, just it's so many weapons. It, it's just when you guys are healthy, Rendon, Murphy. I mean, go mm. down the list. Forget it. Well, yeah, and then you get the other people performing at the back end, like um Severino is going to be a great number eight hitter when the lineup's fully healthy he's hitting about sure. 270 so far so if you can get that production out of catcher at the number eight spot oh of course and I mean I guess Weeders hasn't really been um he's been good don't get me wrong he's but I guess he's not the offensive guy that you guys were hoping he was going to be coming from Baltimore yeah pretty uh, much but you know he, he he's he's a terrific catcher terrific backstop um He's now they did the surgery. He should be at six weeks, they said. Yeah, I believe so. I think the rehab is going to be six weeks and then another couple on top of that. So All right. we should get him back before the end of the season. Good, good. That's very nice. Um, um yeah, no, please. So back, back to the, uh, the game that we were talking about. Yes, I'm the, sorry, man. <laughs> uh, have you got a score prediction for Tyson Ross against TBD? Uh, we're going to go low scoring. The Padres have never seen Fetty. If he, if he is the guy, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, <clears throat> if the unfamiliar, unfamiliar, I can't say it. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you got it. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if, uh, if, yeah, if, if he stifles him for the, uh, for the evening or at least for however, however long he stays in. Yeah. I think I've got the Padres stealing this one. I'd, I've never been a fan of predicting sweeps during these, so I've got the Padres <laughs> taking it 3-2. I think Tyson Ross can keep up what he's been doing this season, and then we get some nice innings out of Fetty, but perhaps not the length they're hoping for, and 
Um, with Hellickson going short and potentially Gio getting knocked out early the night before, the bullpen might struggle to hold on to the narrow lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that just about wraps us up. I want to say thanks to Tim for joining me today. And where can our listeners find you? Oh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm the uh, site expert or co-site expert over at FriesOnBase.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's Timothy R. Ryder, at Timothy R. Ryder. And uh, I'm also staff writer over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. So please check that out if you'd like as well. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Great. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. So that should finish us off for this week. Uh, check out some of our new content this week. Uh, our new contributor, Tom, I touched on it before, talks about how huge the loss of Howie Kendrick is for this team and being able to fill in in multiple positions. And he's been a valuable bench guy. And especially with Daniel Murphy and Adam Eaton out, we've relied on Kendrick a lot and that's going to be missing for the rest of the season, which is a huge shame. Uh, and we also looked at a couple of prospects for the Nationals. So one Soto and Eric Fetty, who both could play this week uh, against the Padres. So Soto should start two or all three games. And it looks like Eric Fetty should get the start on Wednesday. We'll see how that plays out at the start of next week. But he's been pitching way above what his stats look like at the moment. And hopefully with that regain velocity and the security of knowing he's going to be staying in the rotation will help him out uh, enormous amounts. So just to wrap us up, remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. You can follow us on Spreaker. It has its own app that you can download and you can get the episodes downloaded to listen to offline. Uh, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. So I have an Android. Needed to get us on Google Play. Um, so you can make sure you can subscribe on there and get those episodes automatically downloaded for you by subscribing to the show. We'll be back on Thursdays and that's head to Miami to play the Marlins for the first time this year. So we'll see you then.